This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everyone, welcome back. I am your host Sadia Khan and we are kicking off April with a new season of Immigrantly. I am so excited. Now you probably noticed we took a small hiatus in recognition that so much is happening around us and like you, we needed time to adjust and grapple with what this nation and this globe is experiencing. I think everybody is feeling a mixed bag of emotions. Some people are anxious, even fearful. Others, like me, are physically and mentally exhausted. And then there are those who are hopeful, hopeful that this is a reset button, sort of forced acknowledgement of what has escaped our gratitude. I know it's a weird time, but the only silver lining in this is that right now, all of us are in a way contradicting the robotic, hectic schedule that we have normalized as productivity. At least that's how I see it. To all the New Yorkers who are still in the city, I just want to let you know I am with you. I am learning how to be present with myself and as I am staying in my house and letting health professionals lead the charge against this pandemic, I'm also thinking about other stories that need some attention. COVID-19 isn't the only news percolating. And we can't let these other stories go unnoticed. So today's episode of Immigrantly will be on DACA and the urgent details surrounding its Supreme Court case. Now, we will explore together the program's recent past, its current status, and its future prognosis. And as we explore this topic alongside the historical context, it's extremely important that we include primary voices. And we've done that in this episode. So basically, scattered in this episode are audio snippets of brave DACA students who hope that sharing their experience will garner awareness and mobilize communities into action. Now, this may sound completely unrelated, but I want to start by talking about numbers. And you may be thinking, why are we doing that? But there is a reason and the connection will soon be clear. I think We can all somewhat agree that people process things in numbers because numbers are short and simple. I do that for one. Numbers help us chart history. They shed light on phenomenons that a couple of words or honestly even sentences cannot do justice to. While they are not the entire story, I must say that numbers are indicators of systematic change or reasons for systematic change. 
Now, I would like to share some of my findings on DACA from sources including news outlets and research centers so that when we feel implored, it's because the facts do so. You know, the saying that we are creatures of habit could also be said about logic. I would at least like to think that we do feel more confident when any of our arguments are backed not only by whatever like social, economic, cultural, and political opinions we give, but also by empirical facts. And here are some startling ones. So brace yourself. Some of you may already know there are around 700,000 DACA recipients living in the country today. Now, these are your friends, your neighbors, your children's friends, your co-workers. If DACA gets overturned, the projected job loss for New York City only in two years would be over 25,000. It's a huge number. California, 160,000. And for those born and true Packers fans, nearly 6,000 in the state of Wisconsin. I know some of you may be rationalizing jobs lost means jobs available, right? Mm, actually, not quite. These numbers were calculated in December 2019 when the employment rate hovered at a low of 3%. Losing these dreamers would mean a pronounced disruption to a host of businesses and industries, retail, restaurants, healthcare, and education, to name a few. 9,000 qualified teachers would lose their jobs, and 75% of the top 25 Fortune 500 companies would basically be forced to replace qualified employees. And the physicians and the trainees at risk would serve an estimated 5.1 million people in the course of their career. I would like to think these numbers honestly startle even the most pathetic listener. Now, to be honest, what matters to me is not just these numbers. As an immigrant, I really believe that we are a country of multiple origins. We are a country of collective narratives. Now, some of those narratives may be more troubled than others. Some of us may be documented, others undocumented. But all of us have one thing in common, and that's our dreams. Take a listen to what these two dreamers have to say. Hi, my name is Christopher Ponce. I'm a medical student at the Oregon Health and Science University School of Medicine, and I'm also a DACA student. So since the DACA program was established, I've actually had a pretty phenomenal experience with it. The DACA program not only allowed me to step out of my comfort zone, step out of the light and advocate for immigrant students like myself at my university, but also with some of the work that I've done in DC, it also allowed me to pursue a career in medicine because without the DACA program, I would not be in medical school right now. My name is Ananda Saval. I am 24 years old and I am a DACA recipient. I migrated from Peru when I was six years old and I grew up in Orange County, California. DACA allowed me to go to school, graduate from California State University Fullerton. DACA has really opened up pathways that I never imagined were available to me. Thanks to DACA, I was able to find an internship in Congress working with Congressman Gil Cisneros. And then I came back for a fellowship at Forward U.S., 
and I have stayed on ever since as a full-time staff member. Not only has DACA allowed me to pursue my career goals, but it has provided me the peace of mind that I am safe for at least two years. A thing to note here is though DACA is not just about employment and citizenship. The way I see it, it's basically a referendum on our sense of existence as a nation. And do we want to be a nation of discrimination and violence or do we have to be a nation of amnesty and growth? Here's Daniela. Hi, my name is Daniela Vieira and I'm a DACA recipient. DACA has been extremely important to me. I've had it since 2012 and it empowered me to go to college. It allowed me to work through school to help me pay for it, to get internships throughout school. And then now it enables me to work in my field of corporate finance. I don't even know what it would mean if I were to lose it. I think I would no longer be able to work and I would no longer be able to provide for myself and my family. And I would say that no matter what the Supreme Court decides we are still a community of immigrants and we're still going to continue to support and protect each other and fight for each other. So we are more than our immigration statuses say that we are. And that's that's what matters the most. So, so far we have talked about what will happen if DACA is rescinded. But let's look at the historical context of DACA. Now, DACA was enacted in 2012 as one of Obama's executive actions on immigration. Short for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, it's basically an initiative available to certain undocumented individuals who, by the way, came to the U.S. before they were 16, so they were basically children when they came. And they have lived here for more than five years. And by the way, the requirements for DACA are stringent. There is this common misconception, even among liberals, that DACA equals citizenship. No, mm-mm. it's not a guarantee to permanent residence. It's only temporary protection. Okay, guys, let's pause here. Take a deep breath and recap some of it. I want to emphasize temporary. Now, for those born in America... Imagine having to refile your citizenship, say, every two years. And I've been through immigration process in America. It's extremely arduous, long, and annoying. Imagine the uncertainty, the headache, the constant what-ifs. I mean, for 24 months, DACA protects the grantee from deportation. And yes, it makes available work authorization and opens applications to social security. But all of this is not really forever, which many of us take for granted. Now, my husband and I also went through immigration process from F1 to H1 to green card, citizenship, all of that. But at the end of the day, we got our passports. We are nationalized citizens. Unfortunately, DACA does not give that guarantee. To me, it seems more like a faulty safety net with a lot of institutional holes. Here's Daniela again. I have renewed my DACA way earlier than I needed to because I've been worried about the Supreme Court decision. So at the end of November, I submitted my DACA renewal and two weeks ago I got it in the mail. The experience was stressful like it always is because there's a lot weighing on it 
Now let's talk about what happened after Trump administration took over. In 2017, the Trump administration announced that it was ending DACA. Fortunately, a band of people, organizations and states pushed back. Thank God for that. On June 28, 2019, 2 years after Trump's initial threat, the Supreme Court decided to review these legal propositions. Now fast forward to November 12, 2019, on this day, the Supreme Court held oral arguments. Now the transcript of these arguments is available on their website and it's basically on cases delivered by Solicitor General Noel Francisco. He challenged DACA on three main fronts and I would really urge you guys to go and check out these transcripts if you are interested. The first objection was based on legality, basically that the executive branch does not have power to enact such an initiative. The second insisted DACA has no limiting principle. that it affects the influence of other government divisions like the INA which also deals with immigration and here's for the third now this one is the real kicker and i quote because daka actively facilitates violations of the law by providing advance forbearance unquote now i am not a lawyer as most of you already know so i had to do a quick Google search and here's what i discovered now for parents in its legal context means to not enforce a claim by contract date so in my opinion in layman's terms and especially in this situation it means to tolerate access to certain benefits like social security without due process By the way, decision on DACA is expected no later than June 2020, so basically it's 2 months away. Here's how I see it. Keeping DACA not only affirms the livelihood of hundreds of thousands of young Americans, but also keeps our nation intact. Now these young dreamers are vital to the economy, our health and care, and to basically the essence of america and as judge sotomayor bluntly and very brilliantly summarizes the situation and i quote this isn't about the law this is about our choice to destroy lives unquote by rescinding daca i believe the government is literally trying to destroy lives of these dreamers i know All of this is extremely intense and heavy and we've been dealing with a pandemic and you must be thinking what can we do so here's what we can do together a stay informed that's the most important thing if you're documented and not immediately connected to people on daka i would really suggest that use your privilege to support and educate others about daka knowing the status of daka and its supreme court case is one thing sharing its importance so other grassroots organizations nonprofits even state legislatures pick up news and organize to locally protect and advocate is far reaching and extremely necessary 
Now, for those whose lives are more directly impacted, first, I want to say this. You're not alone in this wait and fight. And here's advice from Christopher. I really do implore DACA students who are listening to this to please, please renew the application. I do not see the Supreme Court hearing and ruling as reason to not do it. There are many resources online. I know informedimmigrant.com has a website where a map we can find immigration clinics that provide pro bono services, but also a lot of organizations that are providing financial assistance for those who cannot afford the application fee. So I really do just want to say that we should continue to be active and engaged in this political environment and show the government that we're going to keep pushing forward and diversify our strategies. And in order to do that, we have to stay safe by renewing our application. So with that, thank you. Also, I want to share some tools out there for those who are motivated to learn more about and stay informed on DACA. So you guys can basically check out forward.us and Pew Research Center for trustworthy research reviews and news, not just on DACA, but other immigration issues. And also Rises Texas, another great organization that Immigrantly has always supported. Meanwhile, Informed Immigrant, as mentioned by Christopher, is an online resource in both English and Spanish for immigrants seeking assistance in the renewal process. And this is very important. The website will link you to a local DACA renewal clinic and also contains resources on immigrant rights, the DACA application process and to legal counsel. And in the end, I urge you to sit with this story. Consider it and all else 2020 has propelled us into. Perhaps you will open a tab and check out these sources or perhaps you share about DACA at dinner with your family. Guys, whatever you decide, please keep the conversation going. This is an issue that should matter to everyone. Resending DACA means turning back the clock on progress and giving in to a system that we know by now is plagued with elitism and prejudice. So I am basically asking you to push back because I believe in growth and I also believe in recipients and qualifiers of this program. I strongly believe that they make our community richer and they make our ideas better. And they also inform the very stories that weave together our communities. In the end, I want to thank everyone for listening. You are the best. Thank you for coming back every week. If this was your first time, welcome to our show. I hope you guys come back for other brilliant stories. I also want to give a shout out to forward.us for collaborating with us on this particular episode. To all the brilliant DACA recipients who shared their perspectives. And to our content writer, Yudi, who did all the research and created this amazing narrative. Until next time, when we have another incredible story, take care.